Here it is, folks, the culminating work of one Max Landis. His grand triumph, undisputably probably the biggest W of his career, that he basically got full creative control over a TV series, which is something that even people who are very experienced in Hollywood struggle to do. And here it all is, and it is Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. Esther, have you seen any of this before? No. I, I But you know what's funny is, I, I, I say that I feel like at the beginning of every episode, is like, no, of course I haven't seen this. But I do remember people like on my timeline and shit saying that this was great because, you know, I think I just followed more Tumblr type people back in 2016 when this was airing. Um, and I remember thinking, oh, that doesn't, you know, really seem like it's for me. But like, you know, it's, it's, I'm happy for them. I don't even think I was aware that it was a Max Landis thing at the time. But mm. um, I certainly heard after, you know, the the call out started happening. I was like, oh, that was him. That TV show that is now definitely canceled. But very, very canceled. <laughs> I think they're going to bring it back. I think season three is just right around the corner. <laughs> I, think, I think it's going to get some arrested development type revival. It's going to be a late in the game type resurrection for Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. Yeah. I mean, what are all these people doing? Otherwise, <laughs> you know, I, Fiona Duriff is on that Chucky show. But, yeah. you know, that, if that's if that's the biggest star that's come out of this. Then... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, 100%. So. I was interested about this one going in because, one, I had heard this is, like, the good Max Landis project. Like, that was the reputation I had heard on the streets. Yeah. And, uh, two, there were people in our Discord who were like, I am so terrified that Spencer and Esther are going to rip this one apart or whatever. They're going to destroy <laughs> Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. Uh-oh. Which is kind of fitting. It's kind of fitting that, like, you know... We do this show about, like, uh, we started this show about internet assholes who review stuff, and then we have, we have sort of morphed into that exact same figure where we have people going, like, I can't wait to see them destroy this bullshit or whatever. Yeah. It's, yeah. I don't, you Very know. fitting. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it was destined to happen. Yeah. It's a real me reaping, me sowing type of situation. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, fuck. This sucks. What the fuck? Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency is whatever. It's a, it's a TV show. I, 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 more than anything we have talked about, I think in the history of Get Cynical, I struggle to have an opinion on <laughs> this at all, basically. <laughs> This All is right. <laughs> this is a non-entity of a show. It is in I guess in some respects it is the most competently made and like told story Max Landis has put together. Uh the long format uh gives him a larger canvas to work with and he gets to do all of his pet interests instead of just one of them. On the other hand, it is the longest Max Landis project and therefore <laughs> the worst. It's interesting because so this this show is based on a series of books by Douglas Adams, who did yes. the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy books, which I loved when I was a kid. Um, the Hitchhiker's books. I never really read these, but like, you know, I have nothing but respect for Douglas Adams. As I was watching this, I was like, oh, well, you know, is maybe he's uh, not being so true to the to the work of Douglas Adams. And it turns out he's really not like. Yeah, really, really. <laughs> vindicated because this is basically nothing like 
the books other um, than having a main character named Dirk Gently who is a lightly psychic detective. So I have an expert with me right now and <gasps> I will let them punch in real quick. So Angie, Angie, yes. uh, Esther has her girlfriend. I have my own girlfriend. You know, that's <laughs> usually how this type of thing works. Um, so I'm going to ask Angie, um, you watched bits and pieces of the Dirk Gently show. Um, how is it different than the book and or British TV miniseries? It barely resembles it at all. There's no cat who has one half in one location and the other half in lo no, the other location. As far as I can tell, there's no Genghis Khan. And Max Landis invented this whole CIA black ops thing out of whole cloth and completely neglected <laughs> that the real Dirk Gently is supposed to be this weird, I think, Macedonian or Albanian uh, fraud artist who changed his name from something completely different. Well, there you have it, folks. The worldviews awesome. of the series are also completely different. This has, like, this stupid millennial nihilism to it, where the only thing that matters is, like, sorting out your feelings in a barcade or something, whereas Douglas <laughs> Adams has a more gentle absurdism where you're supposed to just enjoy the flow of life despite how much pain it brings you. Yeah, that's what that that is what the Hitchhiker's Guide books are so much is just like, you know, things will just kind of happen to you and you can make the best of it and enjoy it because that is what is great about being alive. And here yes. it is like like you say, Edgy, the very millennial kind of thing is like shit happens and it's fucking stupid and you suck and Let's you have talk to move about our feelings. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I don't even know why I bothered watching eight episodes of this because that fucking hit the nail on the head and Angie saw like a combined like 25 minutes of this. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, I mean, that about covers it in terms of differences from the book. It might as well not be named Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. Um, yeah, and it's funny, actually, it does the... the um the streaming show thing where the de holistic detective agency doesn't exist until the last scene of the last episode. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. That, that is the case. Um, <laughs> what are we? Some kind of holistic detective agency <laughs> right at the end of it. Yeah. But you know, that's fine. That's fine that it, uh, you know, Max Landis took uh, a book series by one of the most beloved authors of the 20th century and decided to completely retool it into his own project that has nothing to do with what makes the original author so great and instead impose his own, uh, his own pet interests onto it. You know, that's perfectly fine for someone to do, except that really only works if you're a talented writer and director and max just like shoehorns in um all of his again like the cia stuff yeah. every single fucking thing he can't every, let it go <laughs> every single thing he does even like some of the rom-coms there's cia black sites in it for some reason yeah. my man loves cia reprogramming he is CIA obsessed shit. with the idea of a quirky guy having escaped from, like, an MK Ultra program. Yes. Um, so much so that he just imprinted it onto this decades-old book series. Literally. I don't understand. Like, this could have been done with any book in the world. Like, he could yeah. have just... He could have done this for Lolita. And that would have, <laughs> it would have worked the exact same. It, it would yeah. have functionally worked the exact same way. Humbert yeah. Humbert was actually programmed to, to be a pedophile. Yes. 
<laughs> yes. No, 100%. Uh, you've got... So you got the CIA black site. Um, something that snapped into place for me, too, is that almost every single project he's done is, like, in some respect, a buddy comedy. Like... I mean, Bright is an obvious one. Mr. Right is like the buddy comedy as a rom-com, basically. But mm -hmm. there's like elements of it too, even in things like Chronicle or whatever. Like he, and that's because the only thing he really knows how to write is like that buddy cop like patter, basically, which is you have the straight man that's just like, oh, this is ridiculous. I want nothing to do with this situation. And then you have like the quirky, like, you know, amped up one going like, ah, but this situation has chosen you. Isn't that delightful? <laughs> and that's like the only fucking type of exchange he knows how to write. So much so that there are two separate plots in this fucking TV show that do the exact same arc. They're the exact same thing dovetailing together. And not in like a, oh, these are, I mean, it is kind of in like, oh, these are mere images of each other sort of, but no, they are like beat for beat the exact same fucking thing. Yeah, it's it's in, it's funny that they they do definitely I think are at, they're attempting that like oh these two characters are on parallel journeys and when yeah. they finally meet they will realize how similar they are but it really comes across as just like they need some filler you know <laughs> for like yeah. like twenty minutes an episode uh, they just need to cut away to something so let's just you know do the Dirk and Todd relationship with two completely different characters. Yes. And the Dirk and Todd relationship, I mean, in the early goings, in the early goings, it is interminable. It is yeah. like, it is, it has this actor who I don't know the name of, despite him being the lead actor in the show. I Samuel Barnett. Samuel Barnett doing this like chipper. Uh, he literally sounds like film brain. He just sounds <laughs> and acts like film brain during the entire show. There's, like, yeah. no difference there. Like, there's no, oh, he's, like, film brain, but he got, like, a head injury. No, he just sounds like film brain, the entire thing. And <laughs> then you have Elijah Wood in, like, I feel like he's playing, like, all the people who are, like, ah, oh, I like Lord of the Rings, but Frodo is so gay in those movies and so whiny. <laughs> he's like, ha, ha, you have not yet begun to see how gay and whiny I can be. <laughs> And yeah, he so, spends he spends the first half of this season just over and over again being like, "This is stupid. Yeah. I don't want to be here. Leave yeah, me alone." Just over like, and over again. Me, There's no such thing as holistic detective work. Yeah. Wait a second. This seems a little yeah. holistic for me. Just he does the thing that is like the class. Like it's one of those things that is, I think, part and parcel with the that just happened style of writing, which is also all over this. Yeah. Which is like a character will be like, um. So you're telling me that this weird thing happened and then this happened and then this happened. Um, I'm over it. And it, that happens like three times an episode. Yeah, it's, and that is like an important part of so the so that happens style of writing too. Because like even in like the big dramatic scenes, which like some of which aren't like terribly written and staged or whatever, where the characters are yelling at each other about their midlife crises, but they still have like, oh uh, yeah, you do this, then you do this. Then you do this? Yeah, no thank you. <laughs> Just every yeah, it it's it infects every single aspect of this uh show. And I'm glad that you called the uh the assassin plot filler because really every single thing that is not Dirk and Todd in this is filler. Like they're like I it feels stupid and idiotic to call a B plot filler because that's what you have in a TV show. You have mm -hmm subplots and supporting characters since you know a character a tv show about one character the whole way through 
usually like it would be difficult to do that perfectly unless the, the show you're writing is Columbo. But um <laughs> the <laughs> the they they like really really don't have a lot to do with Dirk and Todd. Like they it feels like almost Max Landis could have written like a 90 minute to 120 minute script of these two characters essentially, you know, going about their mystery that involves time travel and time loops and like you know body swaps and missing daughters and like all the fucking stock terry gilliam knockoff bullshit in the world gets stuffed in there and then it's like oh i could make this into a tv show so we just fattened it up with like a hundred different plots that you like pull straight from like the hack tv writer subplot shelves yeah, it's it's miserable. Like, I mean, you're totally right that like if they had cut out an episode's worth of like complications and plot turns, and you could just do a movie of the Dirk and Todd stuff, and it would have been like you know dumb and like poorly written, but at least like more tolerable than like oh great, we have to spend time with the fucking detectives who were tailing them, or like the bodyguard. Um, or fucking, you know, let's spend some time, like, a lot of time with the villains, like, learning really nothing of interest. <laughs> um, it's just interminable. This this also has the bad TV writing problem that honestly infects a lot of, like, really good sitcoms and shows, too. Like, where, because it's, you know, because it's TV and every episode, in some respect, has to be, like, this self-contained unit. This was right around the time where TV writers started realizing, like, no, you don't have to do that. They can be, like, basically snippets of a really long movie. This was still in the era where it's, like, every episode of TV, even if it's serialized, kind of needs to be its, like, own self-contained, like, part. Um, that means that the characters basically have to learn the same epiphanies every single episode. So at the end of this, you have the characters realizing, like, wait a minute, I shouldn't fuck up my life in this way. Or... You know, they have the scene at the end where the characters are like, I'm sorry that I fucked up your life in this way. And then in the very next episode, they're doing the same bullshit. I mean, yeah. that was like, that was what basically made Modern Family a terrible show. Uh, I mean, even Arrested Development, which is like a phenomenal sitcom, fell victim to that a lot. Uh, Community, another great show that had that same thing going through it. Um, it, it's, it's a very, very common disease when you have to tie a bow on something that isn't meant to have a bow tied on it. And this is one of the more egregious examples I've seen like, about yeah. that. Like Elijah Wood's character <laughs> realizes that, you know, the holisticism is real, like 15 different times throughout this eight episode season. <laughs> yeah, it, it is like, I think the best shows and sitcoms get around that by like, you know, the Simpsons does this too, but The Simpsons just explicitly resets at the beginning of every episode. There is no overarching story like there is on these other shows where it's like, oh, well, we have to develop these characters and we have to have kind of season-long arcs where they're dealing with certain things that kind of like are flow throughout the course of an individual episode. Um, and that's especially true for a show like this where the narrative is so fucking like dense and naughty and like, you know, it is a wacky sci-fi mystery where there's like a million different balls in the air. And if you're going to like, don't even fucking try Like, just do it as a as an eight episode movie. Do the streaming structure, honestly, because that's what the you know, that's what it should be. Well, this is early 2010. So that's like that 
template didn't really exist yet, or at least like it wasn't really, you know, it, it, it hadn't really become the new normal. So that's why a lot of shows from this era, even like the really good ones still feel like, okay, it's the end of the episode. We have to act like we're resetting or we're tying things up or whatever when, you know, the next episode, it's going to be the same thing, but it's so egregious in this fucking show. And it makes like beat to beat, just like it's hitting the same fucking notes over and over and over and over again. And again, it does drill in that this really needed to be like, if this was going to be at least decent, it needed to be like a, uh, like a, you know, like a two hour movie basically, since you would have cut a lot of stuff. Particularly, uh, I think the nadir of the show throughout is um, the stuff with the cops. There's like two yeah. two sets of cop teams going on. There's yeah, they do this again. There's yeah. they just do it twice because they have so much fucking time to fill. They have like a like a like a, a CIA guy and his like dumb underling or whatever, and then they have like two cops that are from like Lethal Weapon or whatever, just like doing like mean cop banter, like. The way I described this in my notes was that the, the the two like younger cops or whatever that are investigating Elijah Wood, it's like, what if the McBain stuff from The Simpsons was serious, basically? <laughs> <laughs> like they have a lot of scenes where they're like interrogating Todd and like it's like it, it's like not different from there's been a lot of murders in New York City, eh, Steve Sachs? Wouldn't happen to know anything <laughs> about those, would you, sexy boy? <laughs> and it's just it's just that no 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 changes just like just mean cop patter it is like the fucking you know the two cops under wickham from from the simpsons escaped and entered this fucking tv show and it's like it's trying for this like it's kind of like screwball momentum when they're like talking like they kind of like bounce back and forth off each other and they're they're going for almost like this like aaron sorkin-y type thing where it's got like you know that I hate using this term, but Neo screwball rhythm where Mm -hmm. you, you know, you have the characters like there's like verbal sparring. There's not just like, you know, dialogue exchanges. There's this like very kind of self-consciously witty exchange that calls back to previous things said. And like, it's very, very writerly and seeing Max Landis trying to be fucking Lee Brackett or something is like, God, (laughs) ugh. He's not even trying to be Douglas Adams. That's what yeah. drives me craziest about yeah. the show. Is like Douglas Adams. Go, go look at the Wikipedia page for the original Dirk Gently books, and you will get a very like clear sense of what Douglas Adams' whole deal and sense of humor was. Like yeah. the plot summary for these books is like five million years ago, an asteroid from the planet Zelix landed, and it's like you know that that is what he does. He has kind of like. He has what I guess you could call dense lore, but it is all absurdist. Like, it's not meant to be taken seriously. Yes. It's just meant to be like, oh, that's fucking weird, and that sounds stupid, but... It, and the joke is that it has, like, this tremendous weight on the lives of these characters. Yes. Um. So you can't really, like... You have to be incredibly adept, like, as good a writer as he was, to, like, marry that style to genuine emotional stakes. Um. And Max Landis is just so bad at it. He's yes. just so bad at, like... I'm going to do a wacky thing and then also have characters you care about. Like it's, it's like the, it's like the scenes take place in two different universes. Like they are just so, they have to be so distinct because it's like, he has this aversion to even attempting to make them be in a coherent story. Yes. I, I, um, 
I, I, I just want to like lay this comparison out on the table since I think that this, this, this show exists. I think at the nexus between three different things, what and three different shows, some of which came before, some of which came later, and I think like it, it takes the worst aspects of all three and kind of like crystallizes them together. So the first show. The first show that I was heavily reminded of watching this, and this isn't fair because it came out a few years later, but this felt like watching Stranger Things. This really did feel like watching Stranger Things, but like all of the worst aspects of Stranger Things, like the sense, like uh, the sense of like see- deep season Stranger Things, where it's just characters are just sludging through the plot and constantly talking at each other and constantly giving these big speeches to each other. And then it, it definitely has, yeah, it definitely yeah. has that Stranger Things structure of like something that I think Stranger Things generally does pretty well. Actually, is like yeah. we have a we have one quadrillion characters, yeah. but they are all going to have something to do in every episode. Yes. Um, I, I want to clarify. Like, I I have seen season one of Stranger Things in high school. Mildly liked it at the time, and I caught parts of season four while I was high on my friend's couch, and I didn't like that. But it's not I, a great show. Yeah. It, it is like. <laughs> It's fine. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a good point of comparison. You're right. Like, yeah. this show is so bad at, like, having a cast this big and a number of plot lines this big. But, like, again, it's like, what? why do we need two pairs of cops whose only function is to be five steps behind the main plot at all times? Like, if, if you're going to write a show like this, you have to be really smart about how things are going to tie in at the end. Because yeah. that should be the whole appeal of this show, is, like... All of these little things, every little detail from throughout the season plays a role somehow in the yes. climax. That's like and it the, just that's doesn't. Kirk's whole philosophy. And it yeah, that should be the whole point. Off. That should be the fun. Yeah, that should be what is fun about this show is like, oh my God, how is this going to come back? How is that going to come back? And, yeah. you know, if you're doing that and it turns out that some of the ways that something has come back are just like the tease for season two, it's like, <laughs> fuck you. Yeah. That is so lazy. Yes. No, 100%. Um, the uh, second point of comparison, this is a little lazy of me, but it's still like I was still reminded a bit of Ted Lasso, which me and Esther had to watch for the other show, those good old fashioned values. And it was uh, <laughs> it uh, it has like a similar thing going on where it has like the radical hope punk character in the middle of this world of like jaded, bitter people. And he serves as sort of like the manic pixie dream character who. They're all annoyed with his bullshit at first, but slowly they come around. And that is like a bit of a lazy comparison on my part, but it is, I think it's, I I want to use it as a chance to mildly compliment Ted Lasso because like (laughs) Ted Lasso is not a good show, but that is like the 10 years focus grouped and, you know, focus grouped version of that concept on the screen. That is why that show has gotten like 500 trillion Emmys is because we have had years to iron out the annoying hope punk character at the center of a bunch of assholes formula. And we have gotten a version that plays. And this is a version that does not play because it's stuck right in the middle of a fucking like half Douglas Adams butchering half like knockoff Stranger Things basically. And again, it does create with the Stranger Things comparison, it creates also this weird center of gravity. Like, rather than having, you know, a main... Like, with the Stranger Things thing, you got something for all the characters to do, so everyone feels like they're a little piece of it. Whereas with this, because he's, like, such... He's, like, the driving force between all, all these characters' emotional arcs, it creates this really weird imbalance between everything that's going on. Yeah. I mean, it is a classic TV thing, you know, of, like, 
oh, the character that seems uh, weird and uh, quirky and annoying, like, eventually the other characters will come around and be won over by them. Like, like you know, yeah. a million shows do that. And movies, too. Um, and movies, too. It is a it is a classic formula. Yeah. Um, I think one of the big problems with how Dirk Gently handles it is that, like, there is very shockingly little consistency to how Dirk is written. And yeah. I think that, like, I say shocking because it is the easiest thing in the world to write a character like this, who's just yes. like, I'm going to be quirky and random. And, you know, he, you, you want to talk about passive characters. <laughs> this yeah. character is literally his whole thing is like, I will just do whatever and let anything happen to me and it will work out. Yeah. Um, like on paper, that should be the easiest character individually in the world to write, but they keep going back on it. Like there's a whole episode where he and Todd are like trapped in this underground, like saw trap maze and Jerk keeps being like, oh, no, I don't want to go forward. I don't want to do it. I'm scared. And even, and Todd is like, what? I thought this, your whole thing was just let's, let stuff happen to you. And it's like, yeah, I thought I thought it was too. <laughs> like, yeah. you, can't, you can't comment on it, like, self-awarely like that if you're not going to come up with an explanation for why he's acting inconsistently. Yeah, like, I mean, they go even further with that at the end where they reveal, like, he's not psychic, but he's, like, basically living in a time loop. And that's how he knows everything. And so I was wondering, like, do they, I mean, I'm sure any of the Dirk Gently heads will explain, like, there's some lore reason why he's scared of that particular situation. But it is, it is very frustrating that, like, in the first episode, you know, he's, like, ultra cocky, ultra invincible. And then, like, they give him anxiety in the later episodes, basically. <laughs> so there, there's no, there's very little, like, moment-to-moment or beat-to-beat consistency with this character. And I know... Because the stuff with the girl assassin, say what you will about it, but that is like the more consistent and coherent version of Dirk's character, basically. Yeah, they they are. There is no. They do not like skip steps with her. Yes, <laughs> it is very much it, like the gag of her is like all I've ever done my whole life is just walk around and kill whoever I feel like, and it works out. And therefore, I don't know what like a television is. Yeah, because <laughs> that's just been my whole life. Yeah, and like. I would have just watched that. Honestly. Oh no, it's by far the best and most entertaining part of the show. Like it is like several ticks above everything else going on. And that's despite that he still has like kind of a shrill jailbait woman playing the role. Like it's still there's still kind of like a weird uh weird sexual pathology that the nymph girl in Bright had. It's still that's a that's a testament to how well I mean, the actress like pulls it off really well. Like that I will give props to her for that but it, it's also it's just it does further the theory that like the dirk stuff was written first and then they doubled it up because the dirk stuff is a fucking dry run basically it's a dry yeah. run for this which is a lot better and is a lot funnier because with the dirk stuff like you know the straight man is just kind of annoyed that this guy is like dragging him along on boring adventures where this one is like a guy who is like afraid for his life because he's basically stuck with Michael Myers who may or may not be a god basically yeah and he have, and he and it, it makes him also having the parallel thing where he's won over by her like way more entertaining and funny because yeah. she is still she is just a murderer but he yeah. also has the arc where he's like you know what I kind of like this girl yeah no she's still <laughs> like even though everyone she murders deserves it like as it turns out she's still like annoying and hostile and intense yeah. Um and she sounds a lot like if Dr. Girlfriend really let herself go. But she, she the Fiona Durf is doing we have Natasha Leone at home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a very gravelly like Jersey 
10 pack a day voice or something that I kind of like, but it's still, it is, it is a very discount, but no, it is by far the most entertaining part of the show. And she also gets like this huge emotional change at the end when she realized like her whole quest is to kill Dirk gently. And then she realizes that she's not meant to do that. That's like, that should be, you know, at least like 50% of the show. Like it should be at least like half of it. Like if you're going to have these two arcs run in tandem with each other, they should give her more time than rather, rather than just 10 minutes whenever we don't have something to do for Dirk and Todd. Yeah, it, it is. It is like one of the subplots that ends up being the most disappointing because it does just end up as like set up for season two, which again is a max tick that I really despise is like, he has this really kind of mercenary Hollywood writing style of like, I have to set up the franchise, um, which I get time. Exactly. And he talks about this in his fucking YouTube videos openly. He has like no shame about it, which is, you know, fine. You know, don't don't have, yeah, don't have shame about it. That's how you should be. Yeah. Um, but it makes for really like dog shit, especially a TV show where it's like this, where it's like, you can't just give me like a fucking satisfactory, satisfying yeah. conclusion to this character's arc because you're like, no, we have to set up season two and maybe she'll get a spinoff show and you'll have to read the comics and shit. Like, it's so obnoxious. Yes. And it is, it is awesome when he does that in his like rom-coms or whatever. Like, it is awesome yeah. when <laughs> you're like doing this genre that like, at most gets one sequel that's called like uh, a, uh, a me, him, her Christmas or whatever. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, we're Mr. Going to, right. Thanksgiving. Yeah. And it is like, yeah, we're going to make like 19 movies off of these characters. You're going to have yeah. tie in comics, TV show. You're going to buy Funko pops and fucking Newbury comics of all of this bullshit. <laughs> like it's, it is a very mercenary tick, but the third comparison the third comparison I want, and Esther, either you're not going to know what the fuck I'm talking about, or you're going to go, oh my god. And I, it's it's one or the other. It was one of those shows that your, your friends made you watch in the 2000s, and I was forced through a lot of it, even though I didn't particularly like it, even at the time. And that show is psych. I don't know. Oh my god. Oh yeah. my, I did, I did. You yeah. really said it. Yep. And uh, yeah, I wasn't even doing a bit. Yeah, no, yeah. It is, this is, look, I made the Stranger Things comparison. I made the Ted Lasso comparison. I stand by those. There's a lot of similarities there. But this is, if nothing else, just, just a, like, weedinified psych. Not even weedinified psych. It's just psych. That's it. There's no, nothing else, basically. It's if psych, I, I, psych yeah. was serialized. That's it. It's the only. <laughs> so. It, yeah. By the way, psych is, like, pitch perfect. You're you're homesick from school television. You're like, homesick from school television. Uh, you're you're like you know you're at your friend's house and nothing's on, and you've watched every American Dad episode, so you need something to throw on. It is it is like you're in the waiting room at the dentist. Waiting room at the dentist. You know you yeah. you got your wisdom teeth pulled, and you're taking the the light painkillers that you got from it. You need something to put on the TV. Yeah. Psych is there for you when you do that. Every it's, TV show used to be that. Every yeah. TV show used to be, oh, an episode is on. I will watch it. Like, yeah. could you imagine if just you were just flipping through channels and you're like, oh, episode six of Dirk Gently yeah. is on? Yeah. It's like you wouldn't know what the fuck was going on. Yeah, no, it is it is a psych is a grandma show for teenage boys, basically. Yes. Which, <laughs> you know, I think that's like 
I, into Sykes' credit, that's a niche that deserves to be filled. I think, you know, yeah. teenagers, you know, they get their ACLs torn. They get <laughs> stupid injuries. They, they, you know, have to spend the day home from school because they got some, like, uh, fake wrestling injury or whatever. They need something <laughs> to watch, you know. They can't yeah. just watch prestige TV while they're taking fucking a Percocet on their, on their dad's couch, you know? Yeah. And I think that it, it's, it's, not, it's not healthy for us as a culture to now expect that instead of, instead of watching shows like Psych, you have to watch, like, you know, strategy game tutorial videos on YouTube instead. <laughs> we need shows like Psych for football players who have their ACLs torn and who, have, who are recovering from concussions at home. And why Dirk Gently fails is that it does not live up to the grand tradition of shows like Psych. Psych is a show that you throw on. You have three different things going on. You're cooking like a really terrible high schooler meal that's like mac and cheese with Oreos in it. You're recovering <laughs> from a concussion. You know, you're, you're, you're supposed to be asleep, but you're not. Even though you have to get up at 6.30 a.m., you're still awake at fucking 11.30 and you're cooking. You need something on in the background to keep you stimulated until you fall asleep at 2 a.m. show like that should be psych, not Dirk Gently. I think yeah. I think I think as a culture we need to recognize that. And it is it really is the perfect example of how degraded this kind of TV has become of like yeah. this Dirk Gently in in 2006 or whatever Psych premiered would yeah. have been a show where it's like we have a new case this week. Yes. You know? And it's going to be weird and maybe we'll get a little something like a, a B or C plot with the assassin, right? Yeah. Like but and, it, and the sort of thing that won't detract from your enjoyment. And like they might do ultra ultra light serialization. Like Psych did this. They had like a recurring serial killer that showed up in like three different episodes, and you know other shows that have this like you know that that they have like plots running in the background, but you don't really need to know the lore of the show to like fully understand what's even going on. Um, but as this like. If you're you're not paying attention, which trust me, I was not, you will be lost. You will be very, very lost, especially when they start adding multiple timelines at the end. Like Jesus Christ! Yeah, it it, it made me wonder, like watching it week to week, how the fuck could anyone follow this show? Yeah, like I watched all of this, pretty much all of this in a day, and. Yeah. It was be only, and even then, I was like, when they got to the time loop stuff, I was like, "What am I supposed to be recognizing from the first episode?" Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> I had to rewind at like the big speech where like Todd is mad. That's like you stuck me in a time loop, and I was like tabbing over to Wikipedia and like rewinding. I'm like, okay, so how does this work as a time? Like, what happened in the first episode? Like, I was fucking making charts in my room and shit, trying to figure out what the hell is happening. It's, by, it's, and by the way, it, yeah. it, I have to say. That scene in particular, like we don't, we don't really have to talk about individual scenes in this yeah. one season of television. But that scene in particular is so insanely contrived; it drove me crazy. It is the most like brutal stretch to create a rift in their friendship yeah. because the whole thing is like it's basically revealed that before Dirk uh, met Todd, he went. The two of them, you know, at the end of the season, they go into the past. And present Todd was uh, present Dirk was met by future Dirk who gave him like a couple vague lines of advice about the case basically and told him to find Todd. And then Todd starts yelling at Dirk like you knew everything. It's yes. like you saw what he just fucking told him. He didn't know anything. <laughs> yeah, he was kind of, he was riffing it out too. And like besides, even if he knew everything, like okay, 
you know, Dirk does get a good response, and it's like, yeah, you're a fucking liar too, asshole. We gotta talk. We gotta talk about his 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 he, sister I mean, with yeah. more gelins at some point. But <laughs> <laughs> the the um, it, it, <laughs> but too again, it's like you knew this guy was like like mildly psychic going into this. Like, I, I've, of course. Like, of course this dude has fucking weird supernatural shit going on. Why are you so mad? Which, again, speaks to the whole, like, recurrence of emotional beats thing that they have to hit the same, like, you know, rift between the two every other episode rather than just having them get along for the rest of the show. It's so tedious, yeah. It's... Todd keeps having to be like, uh, I'm done. We're through Yeah. every single time. And it's yeah. just like, it's just, just like... You've already warmed up to him. We saw yeah. this like an hour ago. It is it is telling that like the more times he has to break up with Todd, the less effort they put into the reconciliation every single time. <laughs> like by yeah. the end of it, they're just together again in the next scene. And it's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, all right. Yeah. You know, you know the drill. You know how this yeah. thing fucking goes. Um, but uh, there's a great there's a great subplot in this. In, in addition to um in addition to the uh, assassin girl and there's a couple of others um, that we'll have to touch on, but my, my favorite in quotes, my favorite, the one that makes me the happiest, I will say is uh, Todd has like a very sick sister um, <laughs> who has uh, basically the Chuck McGill disease from better call. Saul, <laughs> <laughs> but funnier um, yeah. where instead of being sensitive to electricity, she thinks like everyday stimuli are, uh, are you know like are like the worst pain in the world and it's like okay yeah. for starters she... that's just called being hysterical and that <laughs> that that like that um that affects like 15 percent of the population so don't don't <laughs> don't spring this on me or whatever yeah she has a disease where um yeah. a very mild stomach ache actually feels <laughs> far more severe which is yeah. um I, a lot a lot of my people have yeah. Yeah, no, she has she has a disease where she has a lot of uh, mysterious allergies <laughs> that flare up during periods of stress. Yeah, there's certain foods that give her like gas problems or something. <laughs> yes, you know stuff like pork or you know leavened bread. Like, <laughs> no, but yeah, no, she is just like. She she just has like the the fake like Chuck McGill you know just like mental psychosis and one of the show's like kind of funny twists is that so the whole time uh, Todd is supporting her basically because her his parents are flat broke because they spent all their money paying for Todd's treatment since the disease runs in the family. But can you imagine having an entire family of people with Morgellons? Okay, I guess actually, Esther, you can probably imagine. <laughs> I'll <laughs> tell you all about it, yeah. yeah having an entire uh, uh, ethnicity of people. <laughs> but um, no, it, it is funny to have EMS that runs in the family. But uh, two, uh, um, you know, so Todd, uh, he feels bad. So he basically gives all of his money to her to support her because she can't work a job or even go out of the house or whatever. And uh, they reveal halfway through, you know, they, they really lay it on kind of thick, which I, I kind of like give them a little bit of props for Max, a little bit of props for that. They make Todd like a real fucking piece of shit in this show to some extent, like especially in the yeah. early episodes. He is a, like a capital ass fucking scumbag. 
<laughs> like he 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 like steals shit from all of his bandmates to sell. He's like constantly stealing other people's stuff to pawn off, and he's he's just kind of like yeah. a belligerent asshole and he's like you know fucking over his landlord all the time i mean that's not like that awful but still <laughs> i respect like how much of a fucking just awful kind of miserable person they make him before he has to like you know learn to get in touch with his feelings and um yeah it is it is a lot more than the typical max landis like oh i'm a fuck up man child and i'm sitting on my couch yeah and but i'm lovable like todd is in in addition to just being abrasive and unpleasant yeah like the twist here is that he's um, an awful human being he was he was faking having this disease to just get pass income from their parents she she is forever to be and he and he <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> and he pretended that he had been cured when she was actually diagnosed because he felt so guilty. Yeah. Um, but the parents. But he, had and he, and his excuse is literally just like, oh, yeah, I just didn't feel like getting a job. It's like, yeah. all right, that is pretty fucked up, actually. Yeah, it's in like the scene where he has to apologize to his sister. Like, he comes clean. Like, Dirk's like, okay, you got to come clean about this. And the scene with his sister is like, I think like the best scene in the entire show, just because she acts like a person would react. That's like, she just like laughs at it at first. And she's like, ha ha, very funny. And then all of a sudden she's like, yeah, like you're, you have to be making this up. Like there is no way you're being true about this. Like I, I'm not going to believe this at all. <laughs> and she holds a grudge against him for basically the rest of the show for it. And good on her, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> because that is like psychotic behavior. <laughs> You stole like hundreds of thousands of dollars from your parents to get your shitty band money. Then you steal your band's equipment and sell it because you didn't want to work. Yeah. That's that's evil, evil. Yeah. No. And it is funny, but but it is funny that they are also trying to do the nice core TV show thing of like, just tell her the truth. Like, you're not you're not an asshole. You're my friend. Yeah. <laughs> It's like uh, he, he does give like a good piece of advice or whatever during that where he's like uh it, it this the speech he do, uh, Dirk gives is very schizophrenic like Todd's like I'm a fucking asshole and I suck and then Dirk's like I need you to stop putting yourself down okay <laughs> and then he actually says good advice that's just like if you keep calling yourself an asshole you're just giving yourself an excuse to be an asshole you just need to stop doing whatever it is you're doing I'm like okay okay let him cook he's like that's why you need to be nicer to yourself it's it's like in the middle of the speech he just has like a moment of like awareness about how to actually handle uh we've got um we've got the villains plot which uh they 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 hired okay i don't think there has been a cast of a tv show that has had worst post-fame fortunes than the cast of (laughs) battlestar galactica like truly like Okay, like, everyone's like, oh, it sucks that the guy who played, like, Howard Hamlin on Better Call Saul is now doing cameos where he, like, makes memes for rich kids. And it's like, buddy, buddy, it could be so much worse. (laughs) Because, like, all of the fucking cast of Battlestar Galactica, like, let's see. I mean, aside from, like, um, you know, I forget her name. It's, like, Mary, uh, Mary McDonald. Mary McDonald (laughs) is still in a bunch of shit. And, um... What is it? I mean, some of the more established names have made, like, you know, fine for themselves. But, 
like the cast of that show like has gotten fucking hosed. Like one of them was in Nexium, the fucking sex trafficking cult. A couple have been <laughs> Me too And most of them just have gotten no work at all. None whatsoever. Like one of yeah. like the name, like two of the name cast members showed up as one scene extras in Man of Steel. That's how fucking, <laughs> that's how dire things have been. And one of the name cast members is the lead villain of the show, uh, Aaron Douglas, who, um, look, Aaron is pretty fantastic in Battlestar Galactica. He, he's, he's, he gets a very good kind of anguished, uh, you know, borderline uh, fucking, you know, this really intensely hateful performance out of this, you know, character who just has all these horrible things happen to him. In this show, for some reason, they have him talking like Plinkett from Red Letter Media the entire time. And I don't He's know do- why. It sounded like Peter Griffin to me. <laughs> he sounds and kind of looks like Peter Griffin the entire show. <laughs> yeah. Like they made him get fat as shit, grow like the worst beard in history. And then, you know, talk like Peter from Family Guy. I don't know what he's doing. Like, I, I can see underneath it all, he's trying to find, like, the the tragedy of his character. That he's, like, this host, this cult leader that's been transferred from host to host. And had to murder his loved ones to prove his devotion to the cult. But, like, I, I, the a whole time, like, even as he's trying to sell these scenes or whatever, I just can't get over the fact it's like, you should be reviewing like the Phantom Menace right now, <laughs> not be on this show. Yeah, it, it is. There is a shocking number of ca- uh, cast members of this show who, for some reason, have been asked to do voices. Yeah. Um. And like, it's a live action show. I don't think it. Like, you, you normally you just cast people and just kind of let them act yeah. and not be like, all right, can you do a fucking silly voice? Yeah. Can you? It's like it's so it's so tedious. Like we said, yeah. Fiona Dorif has has to do it too. Yeah, she has um, to do a a Joyzy like a fucking Jersey dirtbag voice for her assassin. Yeah. Just like let them act. I yeah. I, I'm I'm putting that all on Max Landis as a showrunner. Yeah, I think no, that was his fault. Yeah, it's it. They all act like they're trying out for fucking American Dad. Like it's. I don't know what's happening, and it really does like especially Aaron Douglas, like really kind of cripple his ability to perform because like, again, you know, he's a capable actor and he's trying to find, uh, he's trying to find, you know, the character underneath the, the shtick, but it's just not doable, man. I'm sorry. You just, you sound like a fucking guy from Rhode Island to me. <laughs> um, other than that, uh, we've got another plot that I'll be, I'll be straight with you. I still don't know what exactly was going on with these guys. It was this group <laughs> called, the Rowdy Three, um, which is a uh, they're, they're a group of uh, people who you know that like old video of like the 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 cyber goths dancing like in unison together. <laughs> <laughs> they, they look like they're from that basically. Like this is what this is what people in 2011 thought were like punk rockers basically. Yeah, I was gonna say this is like every t- when every whenever every TV show has to have a scene with punks. Yeah. It's like it's guys with huge spiky hair who wear like metal vests with spikes on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they literally yeah, they just they just look like greasers basically. Like they, <laughs> Yeah, like they they yeah, it's like all right, so we got a we got a cholo to dye their hair pink. That's the look for this character. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like that is not what a punk rocker or a cyberpunk person looks like like it it is a and i don't really know what they're they're doing in this um at all 
they're no, they, it, it is it is another thing where it's just like we're, they're just going to show up, and you are fair to assume that they're going to have anything at all to do with the main plot, and they just don't. Yeah. It's uh, very weird. They also have like psychic powers too. Like yeah, they eat people's emotions or something. Yeah, they they like but they eat people's emotions, but then they like cure they cure uh girl Chuck McGill basically. Like they cure her sister. I, I don't know what the deal is there. I'm really if any if any of the, the gently heads could uh could solve this mystery for me, what the fuck this what the fuck this It would be really funny if this was the if this was the one thing that he took verbatim from the books. Yeah, that would be awesome. If it just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I do. Boy, would the egg be on my face? No. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. It, yeah, it, it's. I don't know what's happening. They just like hang out in a van the entire time, and then that's it, I think. <laughs> it's... Yeah, I mean, what, what more can you say? Yeah. <laughs> there's not much to it. Oh, there's also, so the whole, like, the inciting incident is that this, like, old dude dies, and they're all trying to rescue his daughter, who's, like, trapped in the body of a dog, and the dog is acting like a, uh, the, the girl is acting like a dog the entire time, which, if you thought the, uh, if you thought the stuff from Bright with the, the pixie nymph girl was, like, suspect, this is, like, yeah. this, is, this is some real, you gotta go, buddy shit. <laughs> It's a, yeah, it's a real Like, I think problem. she's got, like, braces in this, too. Like, it's a... She yeah. was a teenager when they filmed this. Yeah, no, it, uh... There, it feels like there was some Dan Schneider's type shit happening here. It, it's, it's, it is... It's gross It is watch. dark. Yeah. It, is, it, it made me feel really gross. Yeah, it is. It's horrible. And yeah, there's a there's a whole bunch of like body swapping shenanigans that happen throughout this, and it's like the most like Reddit guy, you know, um, R slash death battle shit possible, where <laughs> they have like a cat and a hammerhead shark, and then I can see Max Landis fucking uh, you know skimmed up in the fucking uh, you know pitching office, just saying like, get this, get this, the murderer is a hammerhead shark, but they switched bodies with not a person, a cat. Now that's crazy, yeah. isn't it? That I mean, that's the thing is like, what I think what is so like kind of bore. What makes the show so boring is that they set up this mystery, you know, that that is initially like, oh, I wonder how they're gonna, you know, what the deal is here. It's like you, this man was killed in a hotel room, but the bite marks. It looks like a shark killed him. How could that be the case? Um, and it turns out the answer is that a shark in the body of a cat just psychically projected itself with electricity out of like the problem is i think that they come up with this weird mystery and the answer is just oh some wacky sci-fi shit that we made up you know and the an the answer is some sci-fi stuff exists in this world and as a if you're writing a mystery that is like the least satisfying way you could solve it is just like oh the answer is something i invented for the story <laughs> like the key to a good mystery is that you're supposed to be able to sort of like figure it out from the clues as you're watching right like you're supposed to be able to go back and be like oh that's like now it all pieces together but basically everything about this mystery is just like no they're just like three different magical devices <laughs> yeah. and and like it's it, you have yeah, exactly. You just have to understand how all the different fantasy shit works, and then you'll understand the mystery. Yeah. Uh, it's it's awful. 
So one last thing before we go, I want to talk about the sequel hook at the end. Uh, since on the one hand, like as far as sequel hooks go, it's it's like a it's a decent setup. Like it's like oh shit, all these characters might you know fucking die. They're in pretty hairy situations, and they do kill the most annoying cop or the second most annoying. They kill the first most annoying earlier, but they kill the cop at the end, and then all of a sudden it's like oh all of the characters are in peril now. It's it's a it's a very uh it is a kind of like nice. I was genuinely curious, like, huh? I wonder where they're gonna take this next season. Not watching that shit though. Never. Not not. Oh, ever. we're not doing we're not doing season two. We're not gonna do season two. Uh, I mean, we can, <laughs> we can, but I. In a while. We don't have to. Maybe yeah. if we hit our if we hit a patron goal, maybe yeah. we will. Okay. All right. If you people if you people want season two, uh, two fifty patrons, two fifty patrons. Red like two forty now. It. Uh, but it's near the end of the month, so that's probably going to drop down. So, yeah, 250, we do Dirk Gently Season 2. Or if you all don't want that, I'll, we'll do, I don't know, some, something more that you want. But anyways, um, yeah, I, I was genuinely, like, mildly curious. And uh, <laughs> on the other hand, you are right, Esther. It is, like, kind of infuriating that they Max cannot end something without a little a little Easter egg at the end. A little tag. Yeah. It it is like the most like there are so many in the in the 2010s movies and TV shows just like aborted franchise starters that end with like and next time on the franchise we're coming with another one and that just never happened and I feel like eventually someone's going to happen someone should go back and just watch all of those um, and just think about how anyone could have possibly believed <laughs> that this was going to like be popular enough to warrant a sequel. Um, but it is like, you know, in the fucking franchise era, um, everything has to have a continuation. It has to set itself up for a continuation. It has to promise that there will be more. Um, and it's just like, I just, of all genres, a fucking mystery show that doesn't know how to end. <laughs> like, yeah. It's insane. Of if you're a show of any genre, that should be the one where you're like, this is the end of the story. <laughs> <laughs> yep, but nope, they can't end it. They they tag for the next episode, the next season, and I don't know. Maybe we'll get to that at some point. But I, that's really all I have to say about this. I, I think I talked myself into giving it a much lower opinion than I had at first. <laughs> it's yeah, it's. I'm sorry to everyone. I don't. Our 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 goal here isn't to be like you know fucking. Yahtzee from Zero Punctuation, where it's just like, can't wait to see them obliterate this thing I love or whatever, but no, not a fan. Did not. I've seen a lot of mediocre TV, and this is amongst the most mid of all the TV I've ever seen. Yeah. Sorry. If there are actual fans, yeah. um, sorry. Like, I can see why people like this. Yeah, more than you the know? other stuff, except for, like, Chronicle. It, I, I, can, yeah. I can see the appeal. It is. It is, like, the most, like, coherent from like a like holistic perspective uh <laughs> but uh-huh. it, yeah it's uh i don't like it sorry <laughs> no nope. sorry guys <laughs> yeah all right yeah i know you're disappointed in us but i don't think you'll be disappointed for what we have to say for the last mainline landis project that's coming next week we got a couple of bonuses planned out for um for landis stuff but uh yeah the last episode of season three proper is going to be in two weeks so Excited for you all to check that out. 
All right, that's going to do it. Um, just one last plug. We did a Halloween episode on, uh, I almost said bright, a Halloween episode on Smiley with recurring champion uh, Hessa, Zero Suit Camus, on uh, Patreon. Go to those good old-fashioned values, $7 tier. You get access to entire back catalog of Get Cynical bonuses. Um, what is it? You know, the Halloween episode. You get all the uh, bonus episodes of those good old-fashioned values. Um, uh, Esther has been on a bunch of those, ha as has uh, a lot of, you know, our guests like uh, Cole. And, yeah, no, check out those folks. Uh, I want money. We all do. And uh, oh, we appreciate it. If we appreciate if you give us money. So, all right, that's going to do it. Bye-bye. Later.